So this morning, as we start up our time of, of worship, I want to talk to you about worship. Uh, and that is, that is the subject of our lessons here for the next, uh, next few weeks, uh, starting a series. We talked last week about uh, kind of what worship was. Uh, and talking about what God sort of expects of our worship, and we'll continue to look into that. As we read last week, John 4 verse 24 reminds us that God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So when we talk about that truth, you know, we understand that to be the scriptures. We understand that uh, in order to understand what truth is, we have to look into the scriptures, the word of God. Now, there, some time ago, uh, we had a lesson where I, I talked about a statement that I had seen in the popular media that said that you can have your truth and you can have your truth and I can have my truth and we can all just get along that way. And in reality, truth is the truth. You, you can't have yours. I can't have mine. There are some things that are just true. And that is the end <laughs> the end of the story really. And when we when we see when we see what goes on around us in the world, especially when it comes to worship, as I mentioned last week, worship is a much confused word. People use that in so many different ways. They uh, mistakenly call some things worship that really ought not be called worship. And we know that because when we look into the scriptures, we get a picture of what the Lord desires out of his people and what kind of worship is pleasing to him. Now, we have examples from the Old Testament of people, you know, uh, offering strange fire to the Lord, doing things in, the, in worship that are not were not requested by the Lord. And they paid dearly for that. God is the same yesterday, today and forever when we step out of alignment with his will and what worship should look like, we will pay dearly for that. We live in a dispensation of time where uh, God is being very patient with mankind, where we don't see the instantaneous retribution like we read of in some of the accounts in the scriptures. And we become comfortable. You know, if you're one that drives on the highways and you drive the same way every day to work and, and being a human being, you don't see a police officer uh, for a great lengths of time. You get used to saying, okay, well, I'm running a little bit late. I can go a little faster and then I can go a little bit faster. And then maybe every couple of years you get pulled over and given a ticket and it doesn't sting that much because the, the, uh, the uh, retribution isn't instantaneous and it doesn't, it doesn't condition us to follow the rule. In fact, we start to think that the rule is just sort of a guideline. I, most of you know that I spent 20 years teaching driver training before, before uh, coming here to work with you. And um, I can't tell you how many times students would tell me that, well, my dad said, or my mom said, or my grandpa said that the speed limit is really just a guideline. You can go five to 10 miles an hour over the speed limit and the cops won't bother you. And uh, while that may be true, that doesn't make it the law. 
And a, a police officer can, of course, give you a ticket for one mile an hour over the speed limit. Uh, most of the time they don't because they give you the benefit of the doubt. But uh, we understand that the law is the law. And when we are dealing with the Lord, we have much information in the scriptures to show us that he's not fooling around, that he is serious about worship. He is serious about how his people approach him. He is, after all, God. And uh, he is worthy of worship. He does have the authority. He gave his authority to Christ. And we've been told how we should worship. So as we review back to what we sort of talked about last week, we talked about the idea that our worship must be directed at God only. Now, mankind has a long history of worshiping other things and uh, creating their own gods and idols that they would worship. Times are really no different today, even though we may not be... Uh, casting our own golden cows or golden cats, <clears throat> we sometimes, as a as a, the human race, uh, we, we have our own places where we start to worship other things other than the Creator. Colossians 3, verse 17, we read last week, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. We must go through Christ. Christ is that mediator between us and God. He was sent and he, he, he was tried and tempted in all ways like we are. He understands our plight and he has been given all authority. Matthew 28, 18, as I'm fond of, of, of reminding myself of, that Matthew 28, 18 tells us that Christ has been given all authority. Now, not all worship is pleasing to God. We talked about that last week, Matthew 15 at verse 9, and in vain they do worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Now, God tells us in the scriptures how he desires to be worshiped. And Matthew 28, 20, just a few verses after what we were just talking a moment ago, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He was telling <clears throat> that group of apostles, was telling them to teach us, to teach everybody that they go out and to have contact with, to follow all that he had commanded. And we are to follow all that he, is com that he commanded as well. You know, when we do things in his name, we are calling on his authority. We are saying we're doing such in the name of so-and-so. You know, if, if, if I were to give you uh, the key to my house and say, hey, could you go and watch our cat while we're out of town? I've done that with my brother-in-law that is sitting in the back, uh, back row here today. Uh, thankful for him and his helpfulness. <clears throat> and uh, he... He has gone over and gone into my house and fed the cat and made sure he's had water and so on while we were traveling. And if the neighbors were to look over and say, hey, I don't recognize that guy, and they were to call the police or maybe go over and ask him, say, hey, what are you doing here? And Jim would say, well, I'm here on the authority of my sister 
and brother-in-law, and I'm here to take care of such and such. And he would have every right to do so because he'd be following out the, the, what, what was asked. In the same way, when we're dealing with scriptural things, when we're dealing with worship, we need to make sure that we're in alignment with the will of the Lord. Now, if Jim went over to my house and painted every room in my house green, we might have a problem because I'm not fond of, of rooms being painted green. Personal preference. So as we, as we think about worship, we need to understand that it has to be directed at God. It has to be in his way. Otherwise, it's vanity. Otherwise, we worship in vain, teaching the commandments of men. So as we go through the next few weeks, I want to talk about the scripturally authorized avenues of worship. And I don't know how you want to, what you want to call this. You can call this the channels of worship. You can call it the, the authorized acts of worship, uh, whatever you want to say. Uh, I've chosen the authorized avenues of worship. So on the right side of your screen there, we have a little graphic that depicts the Godhead, really. We have Christ, and you can't really see the arrows. They didn't show up really well, probably not on your screen. But there's a directional arrow going from Christ to God the Father, and directional arrows from Christ to God the Holy Spirit, and, and, and so on. We have access to God through Christ, as we read just a moment ago. And one of the ways that it's authorized by the scriptures, by Christ, is uh, as far as worship, is teaching or preaching, as we may call it. <clears throat> and teaching is very important. We're doing a little bit of that here today. Uh, when we come together, you know, normally, under normal circumstances, without COVID, uh, under normal circumstances, we would come together at 9.30 a.m. and we would have a time of, of study and we would uh, be teaching uh, one another uh, about the scriptures and looking into the scriptures together. Now, during our time of worship, it's no mistake that there is also a time of teaching during this, during this time frame. It is one of the ways in which we worship the Lord and is authorized in the scriptures. Prayer is another way that is authorized, that, and we've done that thus far today, and we will uh, do more of that as the day goes on. It's important that we remember that this is, again, part of worship as God desires it. The Lord's Supper in a little while, we'll partake of the Lord's Supper. This is the first day of the week. It's commanded in the scriptures that we come together and do such a thing, and singing We've done some of that and we'll do a little bit more later. And it is because God has desired that we sing. And when we get to the lesson on singing, we'll delve in a little bit more talking about how singing is to take place. That, that again, is another word that is that many people sing uh, in, the, in the assembly, worshiping the Lord in vain because they're doing it in such a way that the Lord did not ask. And giving, another important part of scripturally authorized worship. Now, in order for us to be able to operate, in order for us to be able to, to do the things that the local church here needs to do, giving needs to take place. It's a part of our worship. It's something that we're bringing forth in front of the Lord. It's something that uh, is necessary 
for us to be able to carry out these things. And as such, it is a scripturally authorized avenue of worship. So as we go through the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about that. Uh, as we think about these things and maybe think about some of the the uh, religious bodies that you've been a part of. Maybe, maybe you haven't always been a Christian. Maybe you haven't always attended the Lord's Church. And maybe you've been a part of uh, bodies that have done other things. And I, I bring your memory back to, I know we read this last week, but again, let's take a look at Galatians 1, starting at about verse, starting at verse 6. I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Verse 7, which is not just another account, but there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we look into that scripture, we understand that then, just as now, there are those that are desiring to distort the word of God. And there are even some that are distorting the word of God that probably don't mean to. And maybe they're well-meaning, but they just haven't studied. They haven't looked into the scriptures. They don't, they've been taught. Many times we allow ourselves to be taught without actually checking to see if what we've been taught is correct. I urge you to look into the scriptures. I urge you to take notes. Look this video back up on YouTube as, as it will, Lord willing, be there later on today. And uh, study along and make sure that what I'm telling you is the truth. Because you don't want to put your eternal soul in my hands. I'm just a human being. You want to be sure that you are worshiping in such a way that the Lord would be happy. He would be pleased. So as we talk about teaching a little bit here today, we understand that teaching must be according to the Lord's commands. In John 6 verse 45, we read it as written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. You know, the word of God is able. The word of God is able to do that which it was sent to do. And it is... God's desire that all should be taught of God. And when people are taught according to the scriptures, wouldn't you know it, they come to him because the word of God is able. When, when people are taught from something else, when man creates something, some innovation, some way of teaching something else that maybe is pleasing to the sight. You know, I, I, look, I see... Uh, other religious bodies, they post videos online and so on, and we'll see light shows and laser light shows and fog and all kinds of things that are happening during the worship service that may be pleasing to the sight. They may cause some sort of reaction out of the group of people, but it's not what God has asked for. If God desired fog to be in the assembly, he could do that. As we think on teaching, we need to be sure that we're teaching the right thing. And we should be taught of God. 2 Timothy 3, verse 14 says, You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. So those things that you have in your mind, the religious ideas, that you may be very well convinced of, do you know who you learned them from? Do you know where it comes from? 
Can you find that in the scriptures? That was the admonition uh, being given by Timothy to make sure you know where it came from. Don't just, don't just learn these things and blindly follow them. Uh, in verse 16 and 17, we read, All scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. It's important to understand that the scriptures contain everything that we need in order to be pleasing to God, that we, in order to be equipped for every good work, we have God's handbook, and we are able to learn everything. From the scriptures. We don't need the other additional writings of men. Now, if you look on my bookshelf at home, it's a very small bookshelf because I don't need a lot of room for extraneous materials. Uh, but it, there are some uh, uh, commentaries and so on that I'll look to once in a while. But uh, in the end, it's the Word of God that has the ultimate sway. If we have questions. We study the scriptures, you, you know, to coming together to study uh, amongst ourselves, having questions. When we study and look into the scriptures together, you know, we, we come to a, an understanding and we're all on the same page using the same book. Now, the purpose of evangelism for a Christian is to teach others about Christ. And we need to make sure that we're fully equipped, that we have studied that we know these things, that we know why we do the things that we do, that we might be able to share these reasons, the scriptures, with others, that they might also be taught of God and then follow suit and come to him. Now, this can only be done. This evangelism, this leading someone to Christ, you're only going to be able to do that with the scriptures. It doesn't matter how, how boisterous of a speaker you are. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're interesting to listen to. God put down what he desires, and we just need to teach that. No matter how well-intended it may be, there's no room for innovation, uh, the innovation of man here. There's no room for us to say, you know, I think we can do this better. I think we can change that word to mean this and doesn't really say it doesn't mean that uh, we, we can get ourselves down all kinds of rabbit holes if we're not careful if we aren't according teaching according to the Lord's commands you know uh, it, the Galatians they tried to innovate and they ended up distorting the gospel and Galatians 1 starting at verse 6 when, when we read just a moment ago, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. You know, how long had it been since they'd been taught those things of the Lord? And, you know, there they, they decided that they could change things, that they could go ahead and make adjustments according to what they thought. Teaching must be according to the Lord's command. Teaching must be adhered to. You know, it doesn't do any good if you don't follow through. You know, I used to tell my driving students that I can tell you how to drive properly. I can tell you all of the rules and we can go over these things and ad nauseum. But if you don't do what the law book says, and in the case of 
uh, driving school. If you don't do what the scriptures say in the case of spiritual things, you know, then what, what good is it? You know, what, you, you've, thrown it, you've thrown it away. Teaching must be adhered to. You know, in, in Matthew 28, 20, we remember that the, the admonishment was to teach them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Remember that they are to follow all that was commanded. I had a graphic that was supposed to pop up there in that slide, and it didn't. So, oh, well. Uh, you get the point. Hebrews chapter 6, uh, starting at verse 1, says, Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. So as we, as we look into that, we, we need to leave that elementary teaching about the Christ and press on to maturity. Keep studying. You know, it's, it's not enough. I think some people say, okay, well, I've, I've been baptized. I've done what I need to do. And then they put their Bible away and let it collect dust. We need to press on towards maturity. We need to make sure that we're adhering to the Word of God. Because I don't know about you, but I'm forgetful. I need my cell phone to remind me when to go places. I need the Google Home thing in my house to tell me when when to do. I set timers all over the place to make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And I can't trust myself to remember everything. I need to go back and, and restudy and look and press on to maturity uh, when it comes to spiritual things. Not laying, again, a foundation of repentance from dead works and a faith towards God. Now, you know, the, 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 the Jews that are being spoken to here, you know, they were trying to go back and do things that, that they were accustomed to, laying again that foundation that uh, had already been handled. But we need to make sure that we're pressing on towards maturity in Christ. A little bit further on in verses 11 and 12, same chapter. And we desire that each one of you demonstrate the same diligence as to, as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and endurance inherit the promises. Now, it takes faith. And as we recite every week, uh, as is my custom to bring up a Romans 10, 10, 17, that, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We, we need to increase our faith and we need to remain faithful. We need to endure if we expect to inherit that promise of everlasting life, we must endure. It's a long road. You know, as we go through our lives, it is certainly best that we come to the, to the realization and the, we render obedience to the Lord early in life. It is pleasing to God that we do that. It is better for us because as we go through our lives and make decisions, with the wisdom that we gain from the scriptures, life turns out better. It has a way of turning out better if we follow godly principles. If we follow godly principles, we won't find ourselves in some of the situations that people do. You know, in my in my downtime, I've told you before, I'm a I'm a documentary junkie, and as I watch these documentaries, sometimes true crime documentaries, often people are 
uh, you know, murdered, and it's and it's a, an account of catching the person who murdered somebody, and so on. And uh, as we as, as you think about how the person that was killed got into those situations, oftentimes they were doing things that they probably ought not have been doing. They were in places that had they had a godly mindset, they wouldn't have found themselves in. They would have made choices in their lives that wouldn't have put them in the situation and with the people that ended up with their physical demise. Now, as we study the scriptures and we adhere to the things that we learn about, then we find ourselves making better choices. We find ourselves being with those that are making better choices. And in the end, life just works out a little bit better. In, in the end, certainly, uh, as we understand where the ultimate, the ultimate uh, destination of a Christian, a faithful Christian is, we know that that works out better. Here's my, my graphic that I wanted to pop up earlier. Don't know why it's there, but now you get to see it. And, and my point with that in Matthew 28 at verse 20 was that the teaching was to follow all that the Lord had commanded, just to highlight that idea. You know, teaching is done that we might become strengthened in the faith, that we might listen and we might obey. Teaching must be continual. You know, the early church continued. They continued devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and, uh, and to prayer. That's to uh, verse 42, you know, the, the very beginning of the Lord's church. If we don't teach continually, we'll become forgetful. As, as I said a moment ago, I know I'm forgetful. And as I look out amongst us, we're all human beings. We're not perfect. We can be forgetful. We must continue to learn. You know, even uh, the teachers need continual teaching. Just because, just because you're in a position where you're teaching others, doesn't mean that you can't, that you shouldn't continue to learn. You know, in uh, I've heard it said in many in many situations where if you can't do it, teach it. You know, and, and that was maybe the running joke. In, in college with professors. You can't do it, teach it. So that's why he's teaching. And, and uh, that shouldn't be the way that it is. We should be those that can teach it. And also we can do it. We, we, we live it. We understand and put those things into practice. And we need to continually teach ourselves. In Romans 2 verse 21, you therefore who teach someone else, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that one is not to steal, do you steal? You know, that, that, that it brings to mind the uh, unfortunate situation that many young people find themselves in. They find that their parents will tell them to do things that are good, the right way, but then they don't show that example. They say, do as I say, not as I do. And we understand that to be a very faulty way to teach a child. Uh, I can tell you from my many encounters with young people, uh, over the years teaching driving school that that, that always turns out bad. I, I, I've seen so many, so many of the uh, uh, parents even tell me, I don't know why they do those things that they do. Well, I told them not to do that, but 
yet we see a, a mirror image in the parents. And that's something that we need to guard against. We need to continually teach ourselves. We need to make sure that we've taught ourselves, that we understand and that we can follow through and do those things that uh, we are teaching others to do. In our secular vocations, do we not engage in continuing education? If you've been a part of any any uh, job situation where the, the business is of any size whatsoever, you, you find that you've done some continuing education. It was the bane of my existence dealing with the state of Ohio and, and their continuing education requirements. It was just never ending. And we find that even in, even in the scouts. My, my sons are in the scouts and there's continuing education for the leaders and the scouts more and more as time goes on. We understand that, that need for continuing education in all manner of things except scriptural things instead of spiritual things. So it would seem. And, I, and I, that's a very general statement. I'm not pointing any fingers in any one direction. But just in general, as we look around us in the religious world, and sadly even in the Lord's church, we lose track of that importance of continuing education, continuing to learn, continuing to teach. The Bible first taught of continuing education, but mankind thinks that he did. You know, we, we tend to think, well, this is a smart idea. We're going to make sure that we stay abreast of all the, the, the new innovations in, in my field. But we often unwittingly uh, mimic biblical wisdom in our secular lives, but then we shun that same wisdom when we approach spiritual things. It's important that we, that we teach continually. It's important that we continue to teach each other and to teach ourselves. If we don't teach, if we don't uh, take advantage of this avenue of worship, this channel of worship that is put forth by the Lord, if we don't teach one another and teach ourselves. We may be fooled ourselves. Ephesians 5 and verse 6, see that no one deceives you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. We don't want the wrath of God to come upon us. We need to make sure that we're not deceived, and the only way to know that we're not being deceived is to know and understand the truth. Our children, if we don't teach, our children will not be spiritually minded. They won't be prepared to make those good decisions in life. They may, you know, go to school every day and they might learn the most advanced mathematical calculations. Uh, they might learn how to do all sorts of advanced things. They, they may even be in classes that have an AP after the title, advanced placement. They might do quite well in those things. But if we don't teach our children spiritual things, if we don't give them a mind of uh, desiring to please the Lord and to look into the scriptures themselves, then we haven't prepared them. We, they will not be spiritually minded. And it'll be no surprise that when they come of age, that they shun spiritual things because they haven't been put in a place of importance in, in their lives. Now, Proverbs 22.6, much wisdom comes from Proverbs. And Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he grows older, he will not abandon it. 
You know, this is, I mentioned, I believe last week, I've mentioned it several times, you know, that it's my desire, my hope and my prayer, that as, we, as I teach my children, that when they are no longer under my control, that they continue to, to do things that align them with the Lord. They continue to study, that they continue to see things of, of God as, as important. All too often, you know, in fact, there's a, a, amongst young people who are the children of preachers, often known as PKs, preacher kids, whatever, you see a lot of them acting out and, and going astray in, in their teenage and young adult years because they've been forced. You know, as, as I mentioned, I believe last week, you know, I might walk into my children's room and grab them by their feet and drag them out of bed and say, hey, we're going to church this morning. That may, that may happen from time to time. And, and so they're here and they appear to be faithful. But the, the, the uh, hope is that that will continue. The hope is that the teaching will stick. That's the prayer. And we understand that the word of God is able so we can trust that if we just follow God's plan and we teach, that it'll happen. All of us, including our children, must prepare ourselves for service in the kingdom. Teachers, preachers, elders, deacons. You know, we need to think about these things. There are, there are some among us that maybe have some hidden talents as teachers. They could, they could teach some classes and some lessons. I can tell you from personal experience that no one learns more than the teacher. Uh, it's uh, definitely uh, a wonderful experience to be able to put put together a lesson. We learn you learn so much when you when you have to learn it so that you can tell someone else about it. It forces you to really study. It forces you to comprehend and to keep the information in your head a little bit longer. Some of us, especially young people among us, may indeed desire to be preachers someday. We need to prepare them so that they can make those decisions. We need them to have that mind that they might desire to step into a place in the Lord's church uh, later on in life, or maybe some of us that are older. I didn't start preaching until, I don't, six years ago, seven years ago. And it was the example of other Christians around me. It was the uh, encouragement of some uh, Christians around me that said, hey, you should, sit, you should do a little bit of teaching. I think you could do this. And their continual encouragement and the teaching brought me to a place where I realized, you know what, I would like to do that. And uh, God blessed me with you all. But we need to prepare one another for these things, for that eventuality. You know, just a few weeks ago, because of the possibility of COVID, you know, I, I wasn't able to be here. And I'm thankful that there were those among us that were able and willing to step up and, and, and take care of the services. Uh, we need to think about the eventuality of elders. You know, this, this assembly you know, once did have elders and, and uh, life happened uh, and we no longer were able to have elders. But there can be a time in the future when that does take place. You know, that is God's ultimate design for the church and it, it should happen. We should be looking towards those things. We shouldn't become complacent with just doing things as is, but looking into the scriptures, making sure that we're in alignment 
with the will of the Lord. And training each other, training our young people. You know, Lord willing, someday we'll have elders again, but uh, one thing's for sure, it won't happen if we don't teach, if we don't uh, admonish one another, and build each other up. Deacons also, uh, something that is uh, part of the scriptural design of the Lord's church. And, and those of us amongst the Lord's church should desire to put ourselves in a position and make choices to where we could step into those places. You know, many times people find themselves because of previous life decisions, scripturally, that they're not able to step into the place of an elder. They're not able to step into the place of, of deacon. And that's why it's important for our young, young people to be taught, to be able to make those decisions, godly decisions, that might set them up in such a way that they they must they, they may be able to take advantage of those opportunities in the future that the Lord's church here in this place can continue on. Uh, there's no doubt that the Lord will prevail. There's no doubt that his church will stand. But as we stand here, as we sit here, as we worship here as this local congregation, it's our job to make sure that we are in a place that we can continue the work here. There are many around us that need to hear the gospel of Christ. These, these things, these teachings are falling out of favor more and more with uh, popular culture. We need to work harder, all the harder as time goes on. The church will not grow and souls will be lost if we don't teach, if we don't design our worship services after the pattern left by the Lord. We must continue to teach. We must continue to teach in season and out of season. First uh, Corinthians 1 at verse 21 says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. God chose preaching or teaching in order to spread the gospel. Zapped it into our brains and we just know those things? Could he have made us in such a way that we that we would not have that free will and we would just follow him and rotely do whatever he zapped into our brains? I, he's God. He could have done that. But in his, in his wisdom, he chose to give us free will. In his wisdom, he chose that his teachings would have to be studied. He chose that we would have to make those decisions for ourselves. No one can make you a godly person except yourself and with the help of the scriptures. As I mentioned earlier, the word is able. We must use it. We must listen. We must obey. We, we remember in Hebrews 4 verse 12 where it says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, even penetrating as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is able. We just need to use it. We need to teach it. So as we think on these things, we want to ask ourselves, why do we delay? Why do we put off doing things till tomorrow that we should do today? Now, as we have gone through our lesson here today, we've talked about the importance of teaching. We talked about 
the uh, importance of adhering to teaching. You look into the scriptures and understand that God desires certain things of, of mankind. He's given us his word so that we may hear. Romans 10, 17 again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. By looking into the word and hearing, we come to believe. Then we understand what the will of the Lord is and we repent and turn away from those things that are not according to his will. We confess Christ before men, not being ashamed of him. Exercising our free will to, to tell others about him. Be baptized for the remission of sins because he said so. Because he gave us that example. He himself followed through with that action. And it was at that time that the Lord came down and said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. It is pleasing to God when we obey and we follow through with his will. Won't you do that today? If you've not been baptized, why not today? Why do you delay? If you have done so, but as often happens, we find ourselves faced with temptations and desires that would take us in a different direction than that of the Lord. We understand we must remain faithful until death if we expect to receive that crown of life. Have you been faithful? Do you need the prayers of the saints? Is there something that we as a family of believers can, can help you with? Can we be a support? That by no mistake that we come together on this first day of the week. I believe that the Lord has made that part of, of the command so that we might come together knowing that we are creatures that need interaction with one another, that we need the building up, that we need that kindred, those kindred spirits to share our troubles with. Now, let us do that. Let us be that family together. If you need the prayers of the saints, if you need to put on Christ in baptism, let it be so. Come forward as we stand and sing.